Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 111. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me today on this episode. I pray that it's a blessing to you, um, and we'll just jump right into it. Um, Today I want to talk about, um, once again, I find myself in Genesis, and it's kind of a segue off of an idea that I had explored uh, one of the past days here, and I'm titling this who told you that you were naked. This is going to be based out of Genesis chapter 3. You may be familiar with this portion uh, where it describes the fall involving Adam and Eve and a serpent in the garden. So um, we'll just, we'll read some scripture and I want to just point some things out. Um, I hope that maybe through this I can point out some some things for you to consider, maybe just to notice for the first time. Um, I may or may not have some answers on things, but I do hope that it causes you to, to, to sit and spend time in, in the word and explore what this could mean, um, or what could be there. And just that you would uh, ask the Holy Spirit to, to lead you and, and to open your and our minds to everything that scripture has available in it. So Genesis chapter three, uh, we'll start in verse one. Now it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Now, we'll stop there. 
Um, there's much more to be discovered throughout this, but I, want, I do want to point out some things. As I was reading this scripture yet once again, I was struck by the statement that God gave to Adam. And Adam was Adam's response when God called for Adam. Adam's response was that he heard God in the garden and he was afraid because he was naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Now, likely you, like myself, have read this maybe countless times. And has it ever struck you, because it hasn't struck me before, but has it ever struck you that question that God posed to Adam? Who told you that you were naked? Now, we have quite a bit of information. Now, there's, there's quite a bit that we don't have, I'm sure. But do you read anywhere that Adam was told by someone that he was naked? Well, I don't read that anywhere. One thing that we ought to learn as we decipher or um, participate with Scripture is when God asks questions, we should take time to consider why does He ask something like this? It's not because He doesn't have the information because we know that God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. So why does God ask questions like this? Why does God ask questions at all? It's really to highlight things. It is to point our feeble minds in a direction. It's to give us a taste of pursuing discovery. There, and, and to be clear and upfront, I, I don't have the answer to this. But it's a question that warrants our inspection. Why? Because God said it. And God doesn't say worthless things. And so we should ponder on why did God say what he said, the way that he said it. What is it that we are to learn from what was said? It's important. And so if maybe you've never considered that before, if, if I could bestow upon you one thing from this episode, nay, from every episode that I've ever released, if I could, if I could bestow upon you one thing, it would be to stir in you a, a curiosity uh, for discovering the between the lines um, investigation <laughs> I, I'm running out of words to to put into your heart 
a a moment of pause to chew on what is happening on the pages of scripture so it if this question does just that i am beyond the stars excited and so that's where i found myself in this moment as i hit this verse what seemed like the first time who told you that you were naked well we we have no indication that adam was told by anyone in fact the specific language when we look at it who told you who indicates or suggests a person um who is personal what if god said what told you that you were naked then maybe we could assume or suppose perhaps some type of you know creature entity but who who is very personal why would god say who and who could he be referring to now the best the best point or possibility at a response to that question or an answer i believe comes out of verse um, really verse 7 but in verse 6 we see that eve here is rational rationalizing the point of going against god's command she saw that the fruit the fruit of the tree was good for food so notice this she saw so this is something she is partaking of through her eyes this is why what you put in front of your eyes is so critical it's so important because it's through the gate of our eyes that things are allowed to enter into our heart. If you think back to um, in your own personal life, how many of your struggles and obstacles come by way of your eyes? Whether it's envy, greed, jealousy, lust, different kinds of perversions, all these things that we struggle with individually comes by way of our eyes. Um, uh, in the in the Gospels, as in the Jesus who says, um, "If your whole body is full of light, then that light is seen through your eye. the The eye is the lamp of the body. So when your body is full of light, your eyes will be full of light. So there's this connection to your eye and your inner place. This internal I like to call it my like my inner garden, but there's a connection between that. So we have to be careful by what enters our eye, okay? But but so notice that she saw that it was, and here's her rationalization that it was one good for food, two pleasing to the eye. So there was a there was a belly satisfaction. It was good for food. And it was pleasing to the eye. It was desirable. And also it was uh, desirable for gaining wisdom. So it's playing to the, really it's playing to the, um, the mind, uh, 
the mind, the soul, and the body. This, this, you know, this three-part um, nature of humanity. We also see Satan do this very similar thing when he took took Jesus and was tempting him through the wilderness, and he tempted him those three places. We see a parallel to that here. This same kind of agenda or these three three approaches, if you will. Um, so she rationalized it with these three things, um, mind, mind, body, and soul, so to speak. And she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Now, there's some, this is not where I wanted to head, but this is a, something I want to mention here since it's, it's at this place. There's, there's thinking among among men that say that it that Eve was the one deceived. Now we we do see that. I mean I think it is Paul that mentions this in one of his letters that it was that it was Eve that was deceived. And yes, Eve was deceived, but don't for one second, men, forget that her husband, that Adam, was with her. So um we could say that he was uh responsible for an even greater um a greater sin or a dysfunction because he was present when this was happening so um so men who cling to this idea that that Eve being this um somehow weaker in the sense of uh, more prone to misdirection, whatever it is that somehow this disconnect between man and woman, we must remember that man was there present when this was happening. So just take notice of that. So that takes us then to verse 7 where uh, I was hoping to land is when we ask the question, who told you that you were naked? They took and ate of it, of this fruit of the tree. Isn't it funny how that we think of this as an apple? You know, this whole Sunday school lesson thing. Um, it's, uh, it's funny how we do that, but yet it's also kind of sad because it's a it's the fruit of the tree it's not it wasn't we don't know that it was an apple tree it was just the it was a fruit tree who knows exactly what the fruit could have been um but it's just it's one of those things that you know we traditionally hold to things and then we teach that that tradition to our children and they grow up thinking that it was a certain way and and come to find out when they discover in Scripture for themselves, that's not necessarily the case. So um, we ought to be careful what we teach our kids. I say we that we, we teach them the, the truth of the Bible and, and probably important that we learn the truth of the Bible for ourselves as well so that we can appropriately teach it to our children and future generations. But when they took a bite of this fruit... The eyes of both of them were opened, and they 
realized they were naked. So, when God asks this question, who told you that you were naked? The best answer that we have at our disposal by way by any way other than some special revelation that we may get from the Lord, is their eyes were opened when they took of that fruit and they realized. So remember, Adam and Eve were both naked there in the moment. Before they took of the fruit, they were naked. That didn't change. What happened or what, what, what occurred was that they realized they were naked. They became, in that moment of disobedience, they became self-aware. Maybe you could even use the word self-conscious. I think that's fair. Now, there is a ton of things that you could consider, and um, it, that is fun to do, to do so. To, to consider this implication of, uh, you know, this self-conscious uh, occurrence. Um, and so I, I would encourage you to do so. But um, I made a couple notes here because there are two words that really stood out to me as I began to, to chew on this portion. The eyes of them were opened, so opened was one, and they realized was the other word. Now, this is the Old Testament, so this was Hebrew. And um, so I want to, I wanted to think, okay, what does, what are some meanings of, of those two words in the Hebrew? What, what are some ways that we could better understand those two words, opened and realized? You may, in other translations, for realized, they may use the word new, K-N-E-W. And so I look to see some other usages of this words um, when in other scripture portions. So the next one place that opened is used is Genesis 21, 19. And this is involving when Hagar and Ishmael are sent away. And so it says in verse 19... Speaking of Hagar, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Now, you'll, if you'll remember the story, she's out of water. She's wandering in this desert of Beersheba and she and her boy are essentially dying. They have no more water. They're in a you know, hot place. And she is praying. And God intervenes and encourages her and reminds her of his intention of blessing the child. Now, if if we'll take no, quick you know notice here, God opens her eyes to a well of water. He opens her eyes to something that was there. She just didn't see it. She didn't, if you will, know that it existed. Now, we see this paralleling here, our scenario for their nakedness. It was there. They just didn't know it. And so their eyes were opened, just like Hagar's eyes were opened 
to see something that was. See? So that's one aspect, is to see something that is already there. Your eyes are opened to a reality. Uh, another application that we see for this word opened, the Hebrew word, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, is found in 2 Kings 4.35. And here we find... Um, Verse 35, and it says, Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Now, this story involves uh, the Shunammite son who's restored to life. Uh, Elisha is intervening and praying that the that his... he he would come back to life. This boy has died. And so Elisha is is praying. He's going through this routine, this regimen. And after the course of time, sure enough, it says that the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. So he was dead. So here, this word opened is to describe a opening to life as though his eyes were closed in death and they opened to life. Now, that's an interesting one to think on here because in the sense of Adam and Eve's eyes being opened, now, it wasn't to life, it was to death. And the interesting thing here is, well, okay, so I think, how does that, how does that make sense in this situation it being though reversed. Well, it actually, as I think about it now, it makes great sense, and here's why, because the whole scenario of this taking of the fruit, this obedience to the flesh over the commandments of God is a disorder. So it's a disorder, and so we actually see Rather than opening their eyes to life, they opened their eyes to death because sin entered and death through sin. So there's a disorder that's happening here. So it actually makes perfect sense even in this example, although it's switched, it's in disorder. Um, before I forget, I'll just mention it here, and this is more of a question to pose to you as you think on these things and this topic. If you remember back to what Eve said, it's very fascinating, actually. When she is telling, when she is telling the serpent what God said, she said, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or or you will die. Okay, so first of all, God didn't say don't touch it. She added that. And that's actually interesting that she added it. Um, thank God that we have his written word because we too would probably be adding uh, many things and it would just be a mess. So thank God for that. Um, I'll backpedal here. In chapter 2, we'll find it in... Here it is, verse 16. And so the Lord God had put the man in the garden to work it and to take care of it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So, so pay close attention to what God said. You can eat from any tree in the garden. What two trees do we know that existed in the garden? We know that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and also the tree of life. God said you can eat from any tree except the knowledge of good and evil. That means that the tree of life was available for them to take of. Now, when Adam and Eve were punished, they were banished from Eden. They were not allowed to stay in Eden. Why? Because God knew that they would reach out their hand and take from the tree of life and live forever. I, I used to think that it was sin that brought in death. Now, we know sin does produce death and it does bring in death. But is death in the sense that we exactly know it or understand it? That's a question that I still have. I think there's more to it than what we just think of as death. But God banished them from the garden so that they wouldn't take of the tree of life and live forever because they had already taken from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam was allowed to take from the tree of life firstly, but he didn't. He was in disorder. What I want to propose, and this is my, um, these are dots that I'm connecting that I feel are significant. But I used to think that Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were infinite, infinite creations, meaning they did not have a expiration date or a death date. But if that's true, then why would the tree of life even been available if they could have taken from it and then lived forever? Well, they would have already lived forever. So I, I am of the inclination based on how I'm reading this that when when God created them, they may not have, I'll say may, they may not have been infinite creations. And so when they chose the wrong tree, then of course everything happens by way of sin and disobedience that we read through scripture but they had the opportunity to take of the tree of life and live forever. So I'm not convinced anymore that Adam and Eve were originally created without an expiration date. Now, anyways, that was a rabbit trail, but I, I thought that was interesting to consider and... I'll let you chew on that. So the third example of opened eyes is in 2 Kings 
so we find here is now Elisha here is facing the Arameans and his servant can't see what Elisha sees. So it says in 617, uh, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, opened the eyes, the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So here we see this application of a opening of spiritual eyes. I think that there is quite a bit in this one as it relates or parallels to what happened with Adam and Eve and their eyes being opened. There was a spiritual, we'll use the word enlightenment. Um, I know that may sound, you know, kind of a, have a, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for. So it has a certain feel to it here in the United States. So um, I'll just say that their eyes were opened and they could see in a spiritual way that they couldn't see. So this next word that we are interested in is the word realized. Um, here we find an example of this in Genesis 4. Um, remember, the other word that can be used in the place of realized is the word new. And this example is found in a few places in Genesis chapter 4. And it's Adam, it says in verse 1, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Um, other translations, this is the NIV, but other translations say Adam knew his wife Eve. So that's an intimacy. There's an, uh, a realizing or a knowing in the sense of intimacy. We see this again in verse 17 where Cain knew his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then we see it again in verse 25 and Adam knew his wife again and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. So there is a realized or a new in the sense of intimacy. Now this, this one's kind of fascinating because their eyes were opened and they knew they were naked. They're, they they gained access to a realization of something in 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 an intimate way or um, they were so entangled to that new reality. And not that it was new in the sense of that reality never exists. Remember, they were naked before. But it was new to them. And they became intimately connected to that reality. So there's, an, there's a joining together of oneself to realizing. Um, the next place that we see this used is in Genesis 8, 11. Um, this is involving Noah and the flood. And it says that uh, when the dove returned in the evening, 
There in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. So here in this situation, Noah releases a dove and it comes back to him. And he knew that the water had receded because of the olive leaf that was plucked. So he concluded by way of the mind. And, and I think that is also an important component to this parallel of realizing. They realized they were naked. It was a conclusion made by way of the mind. If you'll, if you'll notice, remember Eve, she gave, she gave place to her decision by way of the reasoning of the mind. That it was, what was it, good for gaining wisdom and... Uh, pleasing to the eye, good for food. So there was this place that was given to her mind to make the decision that they made. And so that is, I think, intertwined in in these conclusions that maybe we could draw or uh, we could suppose, if you will. Um, so I guess... I have quite of a quite a number of other things to point out, but just for the sake of time, I think we'll just end this here. Maybe do a part two on another episode to just point out some things. But um, I think that this is a, a pretty fascinating place um, to to end, and we'll let you chew on that. And hopefully that it it engages you to um, pursue what might have always been here in front of us all along. Um, I pray that it it, uh, it it excites you to to study the scriptures for yourself and to unpack things and ask God to teach you and show you and, and highlight things to you that maybe you've never seen or never heard. Not for the sake of just being exposed to new things or new ideas, though, though we welcome that, but it's to just more intimately know Him, God, through His Word. And we take so many things for granted and um, even even maybe good intentioned we were taught things that um, maybe not doesn't necessarily represent uh, the intention of scripture so let's seek it out and um, and search it out to to know him more by way of his word so I pray that this was a blessing and uh, we will see you on the next one I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you, and in your house I'll